Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Vladimir Putin hoped Western sanctions would provide the impetus for Russia to create national champions in industries ranging from food and software to heavy machinery. But the fate of its first commercial airliner, the Sukhoi Superjet 100, has shown up the flaws in this plan. Katie Martin discusses Russia's bid to develop globally competitive homegrown industries with Henry Foy, our Moscow bureau chief. So, Henry, tell us about the Sukhoi Superjets. What have been the problems with this aircraft? The Sukhoi Superjet was supposed to be the Boeing and Airbus killer for Russia. This was Russia's way of saying, OK, we don't respect the European and US dominance of the uh, passenger jet market. We're going to develop our own product. And basically, since the jet has come online, it's been beset by all sorts of problems. One is a lack of buyers. The major buyer has been Aeroflot, of course, the state-owned Russian carrier. And there have been all sorts of problems in terms of reliance, of how much time the aircraft needs to be on the ground being refitted, being fixed, compared to rival airlines. And then, of course, this crash, this tragedy, which killed 41 people and really, frankly, put the Sukhoi in huge danger of disrepute, given that so many people saw this plane kill so many people in Sheremetyevo. So this is obviously part of a bigger initiative for Russian officials, which is about import substitution and the benefits of sanctions. How has Russia gone about this more broadly? President Vladimir Putin has depicted the benefits that he's handed out to Russian state-owned manufacturers as a benefit of sanctions. After the West, the EU and the US in particular, imposed sanctions on Russia in 2014 after the invasion of Crimea, Russia banned imports from the EU of food and other products. And in exchange, Putin said, we are going to give money to Russian producers in a way to encourage them to buy local products. And he's tried to dress this up as a benefit of sanctions, which of course it's not. This is a fiscal handout to domestic producers. What he hoped would happen was that Russian consumers would turn towards Russian goods. What has happened in reality is that most Russians have decided that they would cut back on the amount of goods they buy from foreign importers, but still choose them over Russian. And we've seen in the statistics that fewer people are buying Russian products than before 2014. Mm. It also relates to an interesting point about where Russia stands globally. I remember in 2014, around that invasion of Crimea that you mentioned, the actor Hugh Laurie was saying, I'd boycott Russian goods if I could think of a single thing they made besides the rest of the world depressed. It does say something interesting about where Russia is in terms of global consumer giant. Absolutely. In the Soviet era, there was an argument for domestic reliance. You had an economy that was, by all intents and purposes, apart from energy exports, cut off from the rest of the world. It could produce its own goods and sell them. Now, of course, Russian producers, whether they like it or not, are competing with Western producers on technology, on reliance, on price. There are some areas where Russia still has an edge. Defense is the one that is most obvious. There are still certain defense products where the Russian domestic producers do beat the rest of their global competitors. I think air defense is the most obvious example. The S-400 system is seen as the best in the world. And potentially other areas in technology, around digital payments. But really, there's not a huge amount of areas where Russia can compete. So there are problems here to Putin's entire strategy, because the bounce he thought he would get from putting money into domestic producers and cutting off exports hasn't been fully realised. So what are the main difficulties in realising that plan that Putin's put forward? Is it about supply chains? Is it about domestic demand? What is it? 
I think supply chains is the big one. I mean, even in the Sukhoi, 80% of the components in that aeroplane are foreign supplied. You know, when you talk to Russian owners of Russian car companies, they still rely on companies like Bosch or other German suppliers of car components to make the parts that go in that car. The steel might be Russian. The workers on the plant line are Russian, but the complicated bits that go in it are imported. And so when you start to turn away from the West and start to put up barriers, you restrict your own industry from building the best stuff they can. I think the best example of this is the MS-21, another aeroplane seen as a competitor to the Airbus A300 series that basically has been stalled for the last five years because it relied upon foreign parts. I was in Nizhny Novgorod visiting the gas factory, which was once Russia's biggest passenger car factory, where basically BMW have walked away and said, we're not going to keep dealing with this factory. And that has, of course, cut off gas from really important, high-end, German-made, German-developed products. And so that is something that I think either Putin and the Kremlin didn't think about or thought about, but have been outmaneuvered on in terms of the sanctions and in terms of trying to push away foreign reliance. So are they the sectors that are most affected by this supply chain issue? Is it like automotives and aircraft or is it more across the board? I think automotive and aircraft are the sectors that get headlines because they employ so many people. They matter so much to the Russian economy in terms of employment. The one that, of course, probably affects the Russian economy and Russian day-to-day life would be food. In some areas, they've done okay. They've managed to diversify imports by turning towards countries like Turkey or Israel instead of Europe. But domestically, apart from the cheese industry, you haven't really seen a huge amount of growth. You can't really replace Spanish oranges with oranges grown in Sochi. Right. So what else can the government do now to try and remedy this situation? Is there anything? Are there any quick fixes? I mean, the obvious fix is to reach some kind of alignment with the West. Okay, that shouldn't take long. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) To reduce the sanctions burden. I mean, there are areas in which Putin could try to... I mean, he's meeting Trump on the sidelines of the G20 in Japan next month. But Russia needs to realise that it still has advantages in certain areas. I mentioned defence. The other one, of course, is space technology. At the moment, NASA can't put an astronaut in space without a Russian rocket. NASA can't even build its own rockets without Russian technology in the engines. So there are areas where Russia could sort of leverage its advantage. But in general, it built itself this defensive position where it's walled itself off from the rest of the world and said, we'll look after ourselves. And now it's realizing, as the Sukhoi incident, I think, most dramatically shows that without Western help, it does struggle to develop its own technology. How much focus is there in Russia on what's been going on with Huawei? I mean, it just goes to show that there is a kind of geopolitical element to trade, to technology. Does it remind them that they could be a political football in the event that relations sour further? That is a great question, mainly because there's been zero coverage of Huawei. Because, of course, the Kremlin does not want Russians to know that if America decides that a certain company is not going to be tolerated, that company is in trouble. That is not the message that the Kremlin wants to show. That said, Chinese technology is everywhere in Russia. The pivot towards Asia has been a major part of the Kremlin's foreign policy apparatus after the 2014 sanctions. Let's turn to China for both funding, technology, political support... So you're seeing Chinese technology everywhere. And frankly, it's obviously not going to make up for the difference that Huawei might lose in the EU or the US, but they will make gains in Russia. On that point, Russia has started to develop and in many ways is slightly ahead of the rest of the world in terms of internet censorship, its own IT and connectivity controls. It's trying to build its own internet that if it needs to, it can switch off. It realises the threat, if you like, in Mr. Putin's words, from the US of an American-controlled internet. 
And so I think, at least not in the public sphere, but in the private one inside the Kremlin, they realize that the threat posed to Huawei is a threat that also applies to Russia. And so if the Americans are in a position where they can say, look, this Chinese provider of technology in the internet space, we can decide to kick them out of the Western apparatus, Russia needs to be prepared for that. And the Kremlin has taken quite serious steps to mitigate that. There's been a law passed that gives them the power to turn off the internet, whether or not they have the technology available. And this comes back to the topic of this entire podcast. Will the Kremlin be able to develop homegrown technology that allows them to cut off the internet for the entirety of the Russian population? I have my doubts. I think there are ways in which the Kremlin will be able to restrict access. But I think at the end of the day, they will always be reliant on a Western built system and they will find it very, very difficult without Western technology and Western assistance to cut that off. And just quickly getting back to the Sukhoi superjet, will it survive? And if it doesn't, how much of a political embarrassment would this be back home? I mean, I think the second part of your question answers the first. It has to survive for political reasons. The plane itself was such an important part of Russia's idea of building its own, not just defence, but civilian aircraft division. It was a real strategic priority for Putin, for the Kremlin. It will survive. Aeroflot will buy as many planes as they're told to buy. The question is about public perception. You know, since this crash, there's been a number of incidents on Sukhoi planes, small ones, you know, systems not working, some kind of depressurization, things that normally would go under the radar, but now are being seen as headline-inducing stories. And people are starting to say, well, you know, I'm not willing to fly on that plane. Yeah, are you? I actually have a flight on a Sukhoi in, in three weeks' time, and I will take that plane. But I think after a while, you'll start to see pressure. I mean, the bigger question here is, can Sukhoi continue to export planes? We've seen orders to Mexico, to other airlines around the world, where they've now said we're not going to take any more. Whether or not the Sukhoi survives, it's not about Aeroflot, it's about global purchases. And it will take, I think, a big push by the Kremlin and by Sukhoi to make sure that the rest of the world trusts these planes. That was Casey Martin talking to our Moscow bureau chief, Henry Foy. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on the European parliamentary elections, how oil companies are responding to investor pressure to reduce carbon emissions, and Donald Trump's hammer blow to Huawei, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.